When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other uh, and colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and, and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing. <laughs> Works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are. Well, normally Craig says that, but unfortunately Craig has had a bereavement in his family today, so he can't be here. And um, so all the best wishes to Craig and his family. And we're also one other light today, um, our um, sort of um, latest signing, Dan. Unfortunately, Dan was involved in a car accident today and uh, is currently in hospital. So we wish him a speedy recovery. As far as I know, everything is okay. He's okay. But um, he obviously can't be here today. So um, one way of getting out of the podcast, boys, isn't it? Like you know, so um, um, so uh, so we. I think from everybody on the same old Arsenal, and I speak for us all on here. We'll Dan. We wish you a speedy recovery, and hopefully at some point you're listening to this, so we know you're okay. Yeah, all the best, mate. All, all the best. Okay. Um, right. So I'm not the, the expert hosting, but I'm going to give it my best bet. Don't forget, as I say, best bet. Uh, my best. Bet, of course, we can go to Fans Bet, and of course, they are our sponsors. So, um, see the links below if you want to have a bet. Um, go to um, our Fans Bet because they are our friends and uh, they help us out very, very much. And um, but also, if you are betting, bet sensibly that's what I say, like you know. So, um, and hopefully, you didn't bet on Arsenal winning three or four one yesterday in the North London derby. So, getting on to the North London derby. I'm going to go first, and then let these guys come in. Um, I'm still, I'm still not happy, boys. If I'll be honest, I'm still a little bit down about it. I felt that uh, opportunity wasted. Um, Spurs for me were there for the taking. I've, you know, um, somebody told me today. Now I'm, I'm going to believe him in saying this. Uh, Harry is as and Graham. They know their stats, and they might back me up on this. Sixteen points from their last sixteen games. That is what Spurs have got. And that tells you the story that they were vulnerable. And for me, Emery was very, very negative and um, with his team selection. And 
he give the initiative to Tottenham, which they took in the first 20, 25 minutes. I have to say, I thought they were the better team in the first 20 minutes. And I thought that we was getting run all over in midfield at, at some stages of that game. 2-0 down. I'll be honest, if someone would have come up to me or phoned me at that moment and said, you know what, you're going to win this, uh, going to get back into this and draw this 2-2, I would have took that there and then. I thought the Lacazette goal was a key um, a key moment for us. Um, it got us back in the game and I honestly felt that we was never going to lose the game from that point. And we was playing really, really well um, in the second half. It was a great second half performance. Got it back to 2-2. I thought we were going to win it when... Uh, Socrates put the ball in the back of net, but it was offside. Um, but for me, the game changed when a certain Sabayas come on. I thought from that moment on, that was the best I've seen Arsenal play for a long, long while. And I thought that we was all over Spurs from that moment on. But at the end of the day, could have lost it, could have won it. But in the end, we drew it. Um, and one thing that I always say when we're playing against Spurs is uh, if we can't win it, Let's damn make sure we don't lose it. And that's what we've done. So I've got to take the positives from it. 2-0 down to get to uh, 2-2. We have to take the positives from it, boys. Harry, thoughts on the North London derby? Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I think that we have to take the positives from it, considering the position we found ourselves in um, before, obviously, Lacazette pulled that goal back. I think, I don't know about you guys, but I was starting to feel like, if we didn't score before half time, then you know maybe the confidence would have taken a real bashing, and we would have found ourselves in a really, really difficult position. In terms of Emery's approach, I think you're right when you say it was a little bit negative on the one hand, but I think on the other hand, he would argue that he did play Pepe, Aubameyang, and Lacazette all in the same side, and I think what was missing was the link between that midfield trio and the front three. There, there was no link there. There was just you know, he it's like he went with a midfield with the, you know, the perp, like he looked for hard work. He looked for it destroyers, if you like. I think Torreira, you know, we know that he's uh, good at pressing, hassling people. We know that Ganduzi's going to give work rate, if nothing else, uh, heart is there. Granite Jacker for me is in that three because he, f- Emery feels that he can pick out a pass and we don't, none of the other two are particularly good in that. I know Guendouzi showed that later on in the game, but Granit Xhaka just makes too many mistakes. And I know we're going to come on and talk about him in a bit more detail. So I'm going to park that for a minute, but I just felt like we, we gave up the flanks again in the sense that Aubameyang and Pepe are not going to come back and protect the fullbacks because they're forwards. And we gave up those areas again. And if you look at Spurs' uh, second goal, so where the penalty came from, it was that Ainsley-Maitland-Niles area where they kept that they targeted him, just like we target Davison Sanchez. And you saw Eriksen pulling out there. You saw Son pulling out there. Kane pulling out there. When the penalty eventually came, even Harry Winks had pulled out there because Spurs identified that as a weakness in Arsenal's team. And when you've got a midfield three that are so narrow, it's almost impossible for them to cover that width of the pitch. When they do spread out to cover, they leave gaping holes in the middle. And you saw that at times as well, where Spurs were running like straight through the middle of us. So I think the approach... I think in Emery's mind, it probably wasn't that negative because he would argue that he played Lacazette, Aubameyang, Pepe. But it's all good playing them, but you have to have that link. And I think that's what was missing. And I think it it was missing all game. Um, It's just that we went a little bit more gung-ho in the second half, uh, obviously trying to get ourselves back in the game. But overall, you've got to take the positives. And and like Lee said, you've got to make sure you damn well don't lose those games. Unfortunately for us, we didn't. 
Graham, thoughts on the game first. Don't go into the tactics. Just go into the, the thoughts of what you thought it was like and then we're going to uh, dissect that in a moment. Well, I think there's uh, nothing quite like a North London derby, is there? Um, I, um, there's something different about it in the build-up. You wake up you wake up on edge. Uh, I had that sort of like feeling in my stomach because I just don't want to lose to Tottenham. Uh, that, and I was fortunate, really. Lee, I'm, uh, I'm even older than you, I think. I was born in 61, just after they last won the league. You think? So you have... think? <laughs> <laughs> so so they, have, they haven't won the league in my lifetime, and that's 21,339 days. So, um, <laughs> and, uh, so that's one thing. They haven't won a trophy for 4,210 days. They haven't won an FA Cup for over 10,000 days. So, and to be honest with you, we have at the Emirates had the edge on them in North London derbies. Uh, they haven't won. They've only won one of the last 20 odd, I think. Uh, the, the only time they've beaten us at the Emirates was 2010, I think, when they won 3-2 when they come back from two down. Uh, the last year, we beat them 4-2 at home. We drew with them away. And, um, uh, you know, generally we've had a couple of 5-2s in there. So the feeling going to the game was I was positive. I honestly look forward to it. You've got that sort of like nervous excitement, you know, because... You know, um, you just don't want to lose an North London derby at home particularly. But, you know, it's a great day. And I have to say, the game was absolutely fantastic. It was a great game of football. Oh, to be honest, I, I'm going to... I'll come back on that. I, I don't enjoy them. I, I really don't, you know what I mean? I think there's just so much... You know, if you lose one of those games, the stick you're going to get and everything like that, you know. And at 2-0 down, honestly, at 2-0 down, I'm thinking, oh, no, I've got to go work and they're all going to be there tomorrow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it's just a horrible, horrible day. And um, But as you say, like, you know, you, you're going to work today. I'm, I'm certainly relieved that we didn't we didn't lose the game. I thought the atmosphere in the ground again yesterday was absolutely fantastic. 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 You know, when, it, when we got that second goal, the roof I, thought off, the, I thought we did. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. A couple of my Spurs mates that went yesterday, well, associates, I don't call them mates, um, they was um, saying that, 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 you know, it was really like the place was rocking yesterday. They, they felt that there's a little bit of a change. And there is a little yeah. bit of a positive change at the Emirates. But I have to say, after the game, a lot of people were criticising in the pubs and, and, and all that. There's still like a lot of people defending Emery. Um, but I, I thought his tactics yesterday were were far too negative uh, for a home game. Yes, he went with a three up front, and I thought that was great. But he then played seven defensive players behind that, or or uh, defensive sort of minded players and approach. And you know we're at home for Christ's sake. You know what I mean against a vulnerable side. I, and I, I get his tactics. At Anfield, a lot of people have criticised them, but I'm, I'm not one of them. I felt that that was the right thing to do. But when we're at home to a team that's that, let's face it, we're in a little bit of disarray. I, I felt that it was a very, very good time to really go at him. And, and whether you dislike Spurs or not, you have to give Pochettino credit because I felt that he went for it. Uh, you know, he put he he realised that that Arsenal are weak defensively, and, and he felt, oh, do you know what? I'm not gonna. Sit back and defend here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit him and, and hit him hard, and that's what he done. And he, I think, that from his point of view, as as Harry said, he, they they attacked the right back area, and I also think that they went aerial against Socrates. And yeah. knowing that Lee, Arsenal pushing up, Lee, I, I disagree with you there. I think they did come to defend. They uh, what if you look at their setup? They set up in a 
like a four-two-three-one. Uh, Kane uh, obviously up top with Ericsson in the middle with Lamella and Song as the wide forwards. Uh, but that was a four-four-two out of possession. That was a that that. Oh, they, yeah, they yeah. A, a, it, it was a medium deep block, and their their fullbacks their fullbacks did not go forward at all. Their fullbacks yeah, but- were very weary of Pepe and Aubameyang's pace. Harry, before you come in, and they just sat deep virtually the whole game. And I think all they were trying to do, Tottenham, was play hit us in transitions through the lines. That was their tactic. Well, I thought their tactic was to hit the ball up long to Kane. Um, this is what I see of it. Uh, for him to flick on, and then the runners of Song. Ericsson yeah, and, yeah. and uh, Lamella yeah, yeah. got, and got, got through the line. They sat deep, Lonely. Sat deep. Sat yeah, deep. But, but, but they would because that. they took the lead, though. So they, they were going to do that once they took the lead. Like How long, how long was it into to the game before they scored? 17 minutes or something like 17 that? Minutes, yeah, so, 17 yeah, minutes, yeah. So, uh, you know, so, I mean, we, we started with the right intensity. So for 10 minutes, we were good. Uh, and we had that early chance. But then... Their first attack they scored with it was their first meaningful attack, wasn't it? And that was a real comedy error of defenders with three errors in that. First of all, let me just highlight it for you. A long yeah, punt downfield. A long punt downfield. Now, Kane's going to head the ball and you've got Jacker jumping with Kane. Now, Socrates comes a long way to win that header. He's the centre half. That is a long way out for him to come and win that header. Um, if he if he if he wants to go and win that header, if he wants to go and challenge for it, he's got to win that header. He's got to win it, but he doesn't have to because as Jacker's jumping with Kane. Now if Kane gets beats Jacker and gets the flick on, if he if he drops deep, uh, he can then sort of like pick it up. But it, I've got problems with the Arsenal these Arsenal defenders because I think they don't like to be stressed and and they have to go and win the ball. They don't trust themselves on one on one defending. And there's a lack of pace at times in that back line. And they have to go and win it because they don't want to be put in stressful situations. And that's bad defending. You don't see defenders like Virgil van Dijk sort of like making those sort of errors because they're confident if, if when the ball drops, they can defend. We've got defenders. You said it yourself, Lee. We've got defenders who can't defend. So he, yeah. gets, he, goes, he goes for it, Socrates. Doesn't get it. The next thing is he flicks it on Kane and it goes to Song. Now, David Luiz, once again, sort of like is over committing there sort of like gets done really by Song's clever movement. He didn't have to sort of like engage. He could have stood off, but he goes, he goes to engage and Song gets the other side. Then the Mella and Ericsson join the attack. And then the final part of the uh, mistakes, the list of mistakes, the Mella's shot. I know a lot of people, I know Craig's a member of the goalkeeping union. He defends goalkeepers, but I can't see how he can, can defend Leno on that one. Leno, I have to say, was excellent in that game. He made three outs, well, at least one outstanding save and three good saves that kept us in the game. But that, the way he dealt with that was almost like nervousness because it was, a, if you watched the way, and I didn't see it in the stadium, I had to watch it back last night. But when Lamella, he just sort of like passes that towards the goal. He didn't yeah. even put any conviction in the shot. And for a goalkeeper then to sort of, he's got, he either has to catch it or he's got to push it wide. And he pushes it straight to Ericsson. So that goal was a calamity of errors, starting with Socrates, then Louise, ending with Leno. I think, I think it was a calamity of errors and it was a load of errors. But also, you've got to think that in terms of the way Arsenal were defending, you've, you've, yeah, we've been caught out. But ultimately, Eric Lamella has gone in, he's in a position to shoot. And there's not a player with a worse, weaker foot in the league than Eric Lamella. His weaker yeah. foot is awful. You see him, and a Spurs friend of mine pointed it out last night on the Chronicles that 
Lamella often would rather try a Rabona than use his weaker foot. That's how bad his weaker foot is. So from mm. a defensive point of view, yeah, I agree. It could have been handled a little bit better, but Lamella from the angle, a shot on his weaker foot, that should still be dealt with. So for me, the majority of the blame here falls with Bernd Leno. And uh, Bernd Leno's made some fantastic saves. He's been brilliant for the most part of his Arsenal career. There's no question about that. But for me, he's got to do better there. It's almost as if he dives and he's in two minds whether he's going to try and gather it in or parry it. And he, in the end, he ends up doing neither and it ends up falling to Ericsson. But then, you know, the, the only other part of the question, I think Leno's the main culprit there, but the other part of the question is why Socrates hasn't followed Christian Ericsson's run because, mm. you know, he's miles behind him and Ericsson's just got an easy tap in. But Spurs, for me, you know, Graham, you made the point earlier about their fullbacks not really getting forward. I think you didn't see that that as much because Davinson Sanchez was just not not comfortable in that position. He was barely able to play at right back sort of in a defensive sense. So to expect him to go forward as well, I don't think you were going to see that. So I think Spurs, because they took the lead so early, they were going to drop off naturally. And I think that they would have stayed off us even more. They were in two minds when Lacazette scored that goal because then it was, right, it's a one goal lead. Do we attack or do we sit on what we got? And in the end, they done neither and they ended up throwing the two goal lead away. But I, I just think, I don't well, know. This, this... Well, I, th- I thought they, I thought they get, became very passive second half and they stood up as second half even more. I thought the first half, you might be right, uh, Harry. I think, um, I do think they were weary of Aubameyang and Pepe's pace. Uh, and I think they were definitely weary of that. Um, and I definitely think thought they sat in a, a, a medium block, a low block, right? And they definitely tried to play in transition through the lines and expose Arsenal's weakness in the way we set up in midfield. We talked about it earlier. I know Lee's got great views on it, but not to play Sabias at 10 was a mistake. Um, he went with three defensive midfielders, but I think we need to look at the structure. The, and what, uh, whether he asked them to play like that or whether they just played like that because it was the passion of a North London derby and they forgot what they're meant to be doing. But let's just look at that setup. It, it was a three, right? Jacker was the one who basically was sitting. He was more the defensive-minded. I use that term loosely in the way he defended. But um, he was the one who was asked to defend deep. Guendouzi was on the left. Now, I thought, I watched Guendouzi. What his role was, was when um, uh, Kalazanak, we tried to expose, as Harry said, their right side, because obviously they had no, Trippier's gone, Foyf's injured, uh, Walker-Peters is not available. So they had Davison Sanchez at right back. We tried to expose them down that flank with Kalazanak. So, uh, so I thought that he would play the high virtually the whole game. I looked at his heat map this morning and he, virtually the whole game was in their half. But um, what Guendouzi's role was, he was the left-sided of the three uh, in a line to start with. Guendouzi's job was to, to move out to the left to cover when Kalazanak went forward. And then also when we were attacking, he was uh, trying to get forward on that left-hand side. Uh, when Abamyang came inside to try and drag Sanchez inside, he was the one outside on the left working with um, uh, Abamyang uh, or uh, Kalazanak to get uh, an overload to get a crossing. So he, so you had Guendouzi pushing up on the left a lot of the time. You had um, Torreira playing on the right, but Torreira sort of like I couldn't work out where he was meant to be playing because a lot of the time he was up there in almost like the number 10 position. So he was, if you look at his heat map, he was sort of like on the right-hand side and he was often trying to get into the box to sort of like, so we could overload the box for when we got crosses in. Now, whatever you think about um, Torreira's performance, he's a defensive midfielder, a DM. 
So why would you ask Torreira to play so progressively forward when his strengths are at the back? So I, I couldn't work that out. So what it meant was whenever attack broke down, Torreira was out of position. Guendouzi was often up the pitch. And so what did we have in transition? We literally had them walking, or sorry, running at our back four, or what was left of it, you know, sort of like. So frequently you had like the two centre-halves, Socrates and Louise, with Jacker in front and maybe Maitland-Niles trying to get back. And they were just sort of like causing havoc because we were so unstructured in front of our defence. We criticised our defenders, but, you know, a year on, Emery still hasn't got us defensively right, I think, in front of that back four. I don't know what you think, Lee. Yeah, I, I totally agree. My, my, my problem was that he played the three midfield players in there and at times there was no one in there. Yeah, uh, like, uh, big gap. Song big gap. picked up the ball in midfield. Uh, Ericsson picked up the ball in midfield and there was 10, 15 yards before anybody got near him. And what was, what was more worrying was that when we bombed forward, when we lost the ball, there was massive gaps. There was no one. And, yeah. you know, listen, Sari last year got absolute pelters because he kept, he kept playing Conte on the, on the right side of the midfield when his best yeah. position was holding. And yeah. Emery is doing this week in, week out, continuously with Torreira. Either he yeah. doesn't play him or he's playing him as a wide player. Now, there were times yesterday, Graham, and I watched yeah. it, you know, uh, uh, Serrera's performance yesterday. I have to say, I, I, I thought he was awful yesterday. I don't know if he was Agreed. unfit or whatever. But there were times he was bombing forward and he didn't have the energy in the legs to get back. He, yeah. was, he was struggling to get back. So my argument would be there, what the hell are you going forward for in the first place? Yeah. And the manager was allowing this to happen. And... Yeah, it's great to see them, the, the, the organisation from set pieces and that, but isn't anybody going to come out and say, well, holding someone stay in there? Now, the structure of the game got better as soon as Tobias came on. It mm. seemed to me that Quindosi and then Shaka knew exactly what they were doing. And yeah, exactly also, also thought we we had more control in the middle of the park when he came we on. Got the ball, we got we the could ball. build we could build we could build combinations because he yes. plays eight, he, he can so, play deep, he can play ten. If you look yeah. at Tobias, if I just look at if you if you go back and look at the game, I look at yes. When the ball goes into Quindos, he, his back is against play, so he one two touches, plays it back. Uh, same with Shaka, two or three touches. When you watch Tobias, he's on the half term. So as soon as he picks the ball up, he's going at their players and he can got yeah. more options. And we control, we controlled the football, which I mm. felt that we didn't do with those three players. Now, if you're not gonna, if you're gonna p- not play those three midfield players, and this is the question that I've keep telling to all the people that are sticking up for Emery, if you're playing those three midfield players, why are why is Torreira bombing on? when that's mm. not his position, leaving his station because he left it on more than one occasion yesterday, like, you know, mm. and, and and letting Tottenham expose it, right? Mm. And doing nothing about it. Now, you might, but, but why, you might as well have played Tobias, you might as well have played Willock in that role. Mm. And and, and I'm, I'm sorry, he got the tactics completely wrong in what he'd done. And, I, you know, but, for, for the presser, not, not, not bringing it up about him, you know, I, I watched Torreira play when he first came into the club. I thought, finally, we've found someone that, um, the DM. The, the, the DM that plays that role. And like um, Coquelin, when he was here, he started off that. And then when, after six months later, I see Coquelin in, in our box, in, in, in the six-yard box. And now I'm seeing Torreira in the six-yard box. 
and, and, and uh, at the edge of our box when I want to see someone with a little bit more guile and quality in that position. And the reason that he's there is so that he can shore up that defence. The defence is not being shorn up. The midfield is not helping it out, in my opinion, because that's why we're still conceding goals. And now we're a year and a month into this man's tenure and we're still not sorting it out. Now, I can say this, boys, and I know that Harry's taken a lot of stick for Emery uh, and, and things like that, but the tide is turning. There's a lot of discontent about Emery, like, you know, and I'm telling you this now, lads, and I don't give a... What anybody says, if Arsenal, God forbid, go to Watford and lose, he's going to be coming under more and more pressure. And um, He's really got to sort it out. Ian Wright said on, on Match of the Day yesterday, you know, he does not know his best midfield. You know, yeah. and I think that that's got to be something that he's got to say. Harry, thoughts on that? I, I think with the midfield thing, I was sitting long and hard thinking about this last night. Um, when I got back from the game, I was sitting there and I was trying to work out what I would think would be the best midfield. And I know I'm not the manager of Arsenal or anything like that, but, you know, I was trying to work out what I would have done. Because I agree with you that the midfield three that, Unai Emery went with totally didn't work. And it's not the first time that he's got that balance in the middle of the park wrong. So I sat and thought about it and I come to the conclusion that the problem we've got is that you've got all the components that you need to have a successful midfield are there. But the problem is where Manchester City, for example, have it in two or three players and that makes your selection easy or Liverpool have it in those players, it makes it easy. We've got it across a wide variety of players and that makes it really, really difficult. So as an example, you've got Lucas Torreira who can press people, harry people, um, you know, he's aggressive. You've got Gedouzi who works hard, who maybe at times, I know he played that brilliant pass yesterday, but maybe at times doesn't use the ball as well as he could. You've got Sabayos who's a flair player. You've got Ozil who's got incredible vision. Xhaka can play a pass across the pitch, but cannot for the for whatever reason, defend. And it's like you've got to mix and match so much to find the right balance. And it's because none of them are complete players. They're just incomplete. And finding that balance, and I criticise Unai Emery all the time, but finding that balance is really, really difficult. But then you've got to look back at, well, he's brought in players. He's brought in 11 players, if I'm not mistaken, since he's come to the Arsenal and we're still having problems picking our best team. So you've got to question him. You cannot go into games against top quality opposition like Spurs, because no matter how much we, we don't want to say it, they are top quality opposition. They will be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. They are our direct competitors. You cannot give those types of teams two goal leads and rely on Aubameyang and Lacazette to bail you out every single time. That is why we got so close to the top four last season, because the other teams around us, um, had disastrous runs and because Aubameyang and Lacazette kept on bailing us out. You've got you've got Lacazette, you've got Aubameyang, great, but you need to get the rest of the team right. And Unai Emery is not getting it right. Yes, there was fight in the second half. Yes, there was passion, but the, the fundamental errors need to go away. And you could talk about individual errors and there are individual errors, but a lot of our problems are tactical as well. And, and it, people will sit there and, and say, you know, it was Granit Xhaka's fault yesterday. We were 2-0 down. Well, in actual fact, Granit Xhaka made a stupid challenge and it's indefensible. But we were getting torn to pieces on that in that right-back position from the first minute. And if Emery wants to stand on the touchline, pointing and waving and doing whatever he does, why is he not seeing that? Why is he not sorting that out? Why is he not addressing that? We can all see it in the stands. 
but he doesn't want to see it. And I don't get it. I, I just, it is so frustrating. And over the course of the season, we will be found out again defensively. Can I ask you a question, Graham? Do you think that, yeah. um, and, and I think this is a, uh, this is something that I, I was asked today as well, so I'm going to ask you. Do you think Emery, Emery, Emery doesn't um, pick probably his best midfield because he, he, it would, like, say for instance, it's easy for him to leave Willock out because he's young. You know what I mean? Is it come to the time now where he's got to make some big decisions and leave out somebody like Granit Xhaka, somebody like that, that, because I felt that, you know, it's easy for him to leave out Willock. And I, I felt very harsh on Willock. Willock's been our best midfield player in the three games. I understand why he left him out for that game, but there was a big, there's big decisions to make in that midfield now. And to, has Emery got the, Got, before we keep going into bashing about Emery, let's get this something straight. He, 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 to, to, to get to two nil, for, to, to be two nil down and get it back, don't matter who is it against, it's still an achievement. It showed a little bit of everything, um, yeah. and 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 it, at the end of the day, we got something out of it. So he has to take credit for that. But my point being, when it comes to picking a team, somebody said today, you know, he was making decisions at half time. The reason he was making decisions and taking players at half time because he got his starting lineup wrong on many occasions last season, but rectified it at half-time. He's still getting those decisions wrong now, and he's not even rectifying them at half-time now. I expected to see Sabalas coming out at half-time, but he didn't. So what 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 is is what is the problem with Emery? Is, is he not going to be ruthless enough to, to... Because I think it's time now, Socrates, in my opinion, you know, and Shaka, it's big decisions. Yeah, in answer to your point, I think the very good points you make. I think um, I think it is easy to drop Willock because he's the youngest player, and then sometimes it's easier to go with experience, uh, even if that experience. A great quote from Gary Neville today about um, Granite Jacker. He's the, uh, somebody with experience. He used he uses none of his experience. I forget the actual quote now, but he made that that comparison. So it is easy to drop Willock. Um, has he got the? I think when I looked at it yesterday, I honestly believe um, the reason he went with that midfield structure of three defensively minded midfielders is I think that he's always trying in his mind. He doesn't trust us defensively. Uh, he's obviously we we have to mention first of all that Bellerin and Tierney are not ready to come back yet, and when they come back, that will be a massive difference to his team, right? So he's without those. He's got holding to come back, right? Uh, and I think Holding has to, if he's at the level he was before he got injured, I think he should walk straight back in next to one of Socrates or Louise. That's what I think. Graham, though, now, Graham, do you, sorry to interrupt you. Do you think that Hector Bellerin, when he comes back, is going to make us watertight? Because last season, we at the beginning of the season, we were all talking about how good he was going forward, but how suspect he was defensively. So just because he, we're, we're talking about Bellerin in a, such a great light because we've missed him because he's been out, but is he going to make us defensively solid? Because I don't think he is. Well, um, I, th- I think, first of all, I mean, he, he is a, a right back, whereas Maitland-Niles is not. I think you have to say that, first of all. I think that... I agree with you on certain things. He he doesn't, for me, when I watch Bellerin, he doesn't stop that. Remember we had that chat with Nigel Winterburn, didn't we, when we were up in London last year? And I asked him about Bellerin and he said, he's a great uh, player going forward, uh, getting crosses in, but and uh, but he can't defend because he doesn't stop the crosses coming in. And, and so, yes, I think that's a valid point, of, a valid criticism, but I think it'd be better than what we got at the moment. And I think sometimes... 
you have to see what signal it sends to the team. If the team know that they've got better in a right-back at right-back and Tierney a left-back at left-back, uh, an actual left-back, I think that mentally uh, players feel as though they're stronger because of that. When they've sort of like they see possibly no disrespect to Maitland-Niles because he is a, a good footballer, but he's playing out of position. Um, I think that sometimes the signals players realise, they it signals it sends to them uh, in their head that we've got two fullbacks there. Kalazanak who bombs on but can't defend. Maitland-Niles is a midfielder, bombs on, can't defend also. That's what it signals it sends. But if they know they've got their number one right back back and their number one left back, that does give them more confidence. That's what I say. But I think that... Um, I think Emery set that team up because he's got no confidence in our defending, doesn't trust the defending. So that's why he went with the three. That's what I believe yesterday. And he's always trying to fix holes in that team. Um, I think the problem he's got is, is that, and Harry makes some great points about all those midfielders. And I saw his tweets today and I agree with everything Harry said. And I agree with everything you said, Lee. I, I think the way I would set that midfield up is he has to make a choice, right? Now, the only DM we've got is Torreira. He has to play as DM. He has to be the one sitting in front of the back four where he sat for Sampdoria. Then he's got like two ball progressors. The two ball progressors, I would say, are Granite Jacker and, and Matteo Guendouzi. Now, what are them next to Torreira? Now, at the moment, I can't see any argument for having Granite Jacker in the team. So you can sit with him in the corporate boxes, Lee. You can, you can, <laughs> you, you can sort of like wax lyrical about his passing, Harry. But to me... I don't think he deserves a place in the team at the moment because no outfield player in the Premier League has made more errors than Granite Jacker has in the last uh, year. I think it's so. This errors. is my this is my point. This is my point, yeah. Harry. Oh, 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 sorry, Graham. I yeah. looked at Granite Jacker yesterday. You can criticise him and whatever, and I've tried to be objective with my criticism and everything like that. Now, I believe that when I was going to the game, I said I, all I want is Torreira playing in that holding midfield to Sabias yeah. up front, and it's out of yeah. Quindosi. Shaka right. and right. Uh, Willock that plays that other role. Yeah. yeah, so so for me then, just finishing off the point I was making, DM will be Torreira, part, uh, progress, ball progressor, someone who can pass, who can who uh, will be Gwendouzi or Jacka. Now, the reason why I go with Gwendouzi at the moment because simply because he's playing better than Jacka, doesn't make so many mistakes as Jacka, he's more mobile than Jacka, and he deserves point. his and he deserves his place in the team, and he can build. Yeah, you're, he can, you're talking about he can a solve, ball progressor. Uh, no, just, I just want to come on this point. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let, let me just finish. Put, let, let me just finish, on. and you come in. And, and then I think he has to make a choice of the third midfielder, and it's what it, it boils down to: either Sabias, uh, Willock, or Ozil. Right. So that gives you more of a balance in your midfield: uh, defensive yeah. midfielder, ball progressor, and and somebody who can link the pay, uh, and somebody who can come back uh, and defend. I know Ozil. Can't do it probably as well as the other two. I think at the moment, Gwen, uh, Willock and Sabias uh, are streets ahead of Meza in the fact that they are um, their energy getting up and down the pitch. And also, I think we're solving problems in the midfield, the way we pass around the press with, with those combination build-up playing midfield with those players. So I would set it up like that. One DM, one ball progressor. I would nothing against if you wanted to tweak it around occasionally and leave Iguendouzi a rest and play Willock and Sabias. I don't think that's bad either. But I, I just think at the moment, there's no argument for Granite Jacker being in the team. Uh, Ozil, to me, can offer a summit, but at the moment he's not quite ready. But it's all about balance in the midfield. And I think the second half proved it because the moment we got Sabias on, uh, I think they, there was more tr right. neat triangles, build-up play and connection with the front three. 
That's what right. I felt. Great points. Great points. My, my point being, I'm going to stick up for Shaka slightly on this because I felt that once the he midfield sat next balance... To him. He sat next no, no, to him. no, nothing to do with that. No, <laughs> do that. Once the balance was sorted you were, out... Actually, with, uh, Lee, you were more mobile sitting next to him than he was. I was, I was. I'll tell you that. You know I mean? <laughs> once Sabayas come on, Shaka grew into the game, especially with his passes. Going yeah, he was, he was, better, second, he was better second half. Right, yeah. because he was suited to that role. Now, when you played yeah. that three in there, right, this is my yeah. argument with, with the manager, yeah. I think that he was... Oh, I've got to play Granite Shaka because, you know, instead of saying, do you know what, I'm going to leave you out and get someone in there with more legs because I felt that he was get, he was getting exposed because yes. uh, he couldn't get across to, to side to side quick enough. You know, if you'd have had someone like Willock yeah, in there or, yeah. or Torreira or something, he would have done it. And that was that was his problem. Now, my problem being now... Yeah. Right. That was his, that was his problem, but it, but there's no excuse for a scissor. Who's fault? It's, 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 it's no, it's no, there's no excuse for a scissor kick tackle in the penalty box. No, no, no we're, we're, a... we're going to that in a second. That's 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 yeah. going to come up in a second, right? Yeah. I'm talking about whose fault is that playing him in that position, and he's not being able to get across here do his job. Whose fault is that? Is that Grant and also the manager, the, man- the, the manager. manager, the manager? To add the to manager. what Lee's saying as well. To add to what Lee's saying. It was, it was only last week that everybody was talking about how bad Ceballos played up at Anfield because he was put in a narrow midfield and asked to yeah. do a job that wasn't what he's, what yeah. he's supposed and I, and to be doing. And, and that's, that's my and, point. And, I think and he's been yeah. asked for things that he's not been done. Yeah. I felt Shaka up until Ceballos came on, was him and, him and Torreira were poor. But in saying that, he, he, he redeemed himself a little bit. I'm not saying that he's redeemed himself enough to, to get into the side against Watford because I don't think that he has. And this is my next point. This is my next point. We're going to go on about Granit Xhaka now. And we're going to go on about the penalty. It is he is continually giving away penalty. He, his penalty at Brighton, stupidity as it was, cost us Champions yeah. League football. Listen, you know that's we can all agree with that, like you know. And then we're one 0 down in the North London derby, and he does what he does. Now he, you know, I'll be honest. A lot of people have said if David uh, David Louise done that against um, Tottenham, which he did against Liverpool, we would be absolutely skinned alive. Uh, Shaka goes and does it against Spurs. And, it, you know, he op- Harry, he opens himself up to all the criticism in the world for people to get on his back when he does things like that. And, you know, I'm not his greatest fan. There's a lot of people against him. Why on earth make that stupid tackle... And it, but he continues to keep doing it. One, he continues to keep doing it. The reason he keeps continuing to do it, in my opinion, is because he's allowed to, because the manager keeps playing him. So, yeah. first of all, uh, Harry, why is he continually, as a professional footballer, an experienced player now, continually doing these stupid things? It's ill-discipline and it's poor yeah. and there's absolutely no excuse for it. And when I sit here and I say that, I think Granit Xhaka should be in the team. It's not that I'm denying that he does these stupid things or that he has these brain fart moments that lead to, you know, errors and and cost us points. I get as frustrated as anybody else when he does those things. But it all comes back to the fact that, I mean, Graham was talking earlier about ball progressors, but a ball progressor has to be able to pick out a pass. And yeah, Gwenduzi played a lovely pass for Aubameyang yesterday. But if you look at the pass maps and you look at the statistics, and Graham, you probably would have seen this because I know you like your stats and stuff. Matteo Gwenduzi 
doesn't play those progressive passes. That's why Granit Xhaka is in the team, because Granit Xhaka can get the ball, look up, see Pepe on the flank, see Aubameyang on the flank. And with one ball, he can find them. That's what he brings. He, he's but we don't, we don't, Harry, Harry, we, we don't need to play that way, Harry. We don't need, we can, we can sort of like build up with little no, triangles from the back. You can't though. You can't. If you've got, but if you've you got, need, Glenn, you need your place, you need your midfielders closer together, Harry. Your midfielders closer together to sort they, of nice Graham, little triangle the point passes. Is they're too close down. together. That's why we've yeah. got such, that. that they weren't close together yesterday, were they? They weren't close together yesterday. When Uzi was no, out but, wide left, Ter- but that's Ter- because. That's because that's because Emery keeps giving teams the freedom of the flanks. And then what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to stay tucked in and let the fullback bring the ball all the way up the pitch without going out there? Of course you're going to go out there. The prop the point is the tactics are wrong. Xhaka is an absolute moron when it comes to things like that. He loses his head, he makes stupid challenges, and there's no excuse for it. Also, when, Harry, giving away giving away about three or four yeah, absolutely. free kicks, you know what I mean? Absolutely. But when asked when there are Arsenal fans that say Xhaka needs to be in the team, it's not because of it's not because they don't see those things. We all see those mistakes. We all get as pissed off as everybody else about them. The point is that we don't have like Torreira is not good enough on in possession of the ball. He will not pick out a key pass. Genduzi doesn't do it often enough. Yes, he done it yesterday, but he doesn't do it often enough. There is not the right balance in the whole midfield. And Xhaka's you mistakes you, is a completely yeah. different thing. And, and I do think that that Xhaka, you know, should be dropped because of what he done. I absolutely agree with that. But I also think the way we set up yesterday. And what Lee said about how Xhaka improved when the midfield was right kind of proved why Emery does put him in the team. Emery can't mm. be held accountable for that moment of madness. But he, he, Emery sees what he brings, and that is the ability to pick out a pass. And Xhaka is a pain in the ass. But until Emery goes and signs someone else that can do that role, then he has to play. And and, and mark my words, no matter what we sit here and say, Granite Xhaka will play because in Unai Emery's eyes, in Arsene Wenger's eyes before him, in the Swiss international oh, oh, manager's oh. eyes, that is what he gives you. So, totally agree, Harry. Harry. He will play against. He will play against Watford. Uh, but so this this is my point. If he's going to play against Watford, play him in the proper position that he can play. Now, I'm not saying that. Well, the only way to do that then is to play him further forward, isn't it? Well, a, sort yeah, of a, two, a two, a two, and then like it, like it was yesterday, Graham. We can't deny that he played. He played. Better. I'm not saying he was fantastic, but we he, he gives us something. I agree with Wary, what he gives us something that nobody else does. And I can tell you this now, Torreira, you know, um, I bet he's glad that Granit Xhaka's playing to, yesterday because I think it's taken the heat off of his performance yesterday uh, tenfold. I thought he was just as bad as well. But Xhaka will get the problems. The reason he'll get the problems is because he gives away silly free kicks and penalties and he continues to do it. In my opinion... The manager now has got to come in and say enough's enough, but I don't think that he will. And, and you know, you you have to say this, Graham. You know, as much as I, I, I'm with you, I don't think that Granite Shaker should be in the side. But the manager is giving the captaincy. So what does that tell you? Well, is he giving them a captaincy? Um, well, he uh, has in the you, last, got, you know, every time he's played, he's been captain. He's not the official game. captain, is he? But because if you you look at the program, well, that, well, the home that, program that, that, that sums up the manager again, then, doesn't it? I've got he's, to say, he's got five. Let's just go back to the manager. Decisions on the manager. Yeah. He hasn't. Yeah. He hasn't chose a captain. Right. He brings on. He brings on Mkhitaryan yesterday when he knows he's going to Rome, and the next day and you've got uh, yeah. Nelson sitting there, like you know what I mean. Or more importantly, bringing Gabriel Mart- Martinelli. 
and, and leave leave him out. There's so many things that he's doing, and and he can't pick a captain. You know what I mean? Well, come on, uh, yeah. you know what I mean. Just coming, just, come, just coming back to the, just coming back to the Jacker argument. I just think that he he doesn't deal with stress very well in the penalty box, or, or when he's he. He, he 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 doesn't like certain. He reminds me of Mustafi. They can't deal with stressful situations, so they want to get out of there as quickly as they can. They panic, basically. Yeah, he but panics. Think, uh, but you've also got to look at the fact that we don't want Granite Xhaka coming and plugging the holes left by our no, right back. Exactly, and that's, we that's, that's the point I was going to. Right, that's the, that, that's, that's the point the I was going to make. I agree with you, Harry. I agree with you. And I've just got a tweet here from a guy called Peter Minley. Uh, PM was at. That Guna and and he says a really good thing here yesterday and it, and I agree with him 100. percent He says um, Unai's use of Torreira in attack is so irritating it makes no sense. Just rotate the right sided position so Lucas Torreira is protecting transitions in the narrow right back spot. Ainsley Maitland Niles is wide and Pepe is a threat through the middle. It's this kind of setup which leaves us exposed in transition. And he's right because exposed in transition leaves Granite Jacker having to deal with situations that he just can't deal with. So yeah. we need to get him. We good, need to get him tweet. out of there. Don't we? Yeah. Good so it's a really good tweet there from Peter. I, also I agree think with that. that. When when Hector Bellerin comes back, we know when people turn around and say, and I'm one of them. Oh, Hector Bellerin is not going to be the greatest defender. Blah 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 blah. It doesn't fit. But what it will do is it will then release Maitland Niles maybe to play in that front role further forward when we've got to be a more defensive structured side, you know, instead of Torreira. Do you not agree that when you look back over the last few years, you look at, think about like when Santi Cazorla was playing in a deeper position. Think about when Arteta was playing there, when Coquelin was playing there, right? Think about all those players and Granit Xhaka. They're all very, very different footballers, but what's the common factor here? The common factor is that in transition, all four of them were exposed. That tells you that the team as a whole when they lose the ball, are all over the shop. It tells you that at times yesterday, Torreira and Genduzzi were going a little bit like headless chickens, having to go out wide because of the system. And then it was allowing Ali and Son the, the space to carry the ball forward. But whoever plays at the, the foot of Arsenal's defence, uh, defensive midfield, sorry, will always be exposed because we just don't defend properly as a team. And, it, you know, Xhaka, there's no excuse for his stupid mistake. But in terms of him being exposed in one-on-one situations and being isolated by attacking sides, he's not the first and he won't be the last in this Arsenal team to have that problem. And I think the thing you've got to take into account now, if he's going to play the front three, Pepe, Aubameyang and Lacazette, I don't think you're going to see much tracking back from Aubameyang or Pepe. So he's got yeah. to get he's got he's got to get that midfield structure right in front of that back four. And I think that um that's why I think he went with a diamond at Anfield, uh, you know, because he knew Pepe, or he, obviously as an attacking threat, but he knew that they wouldn't be tracking back. So I think that he's got to get this midfield sorted out, but he's got to get the players in the right positions. Um, I, I, I'll tell you what's an interesting stat, and Harry might like this one. Um, Wenger's last year, right, as manager, you know, Wenger always knew what his best teams were and played to his attacking strengths. We had 422 shots against us in the, his last year, right? Now, Emery has come in, a defensive-minded coach, and he, when he came in, I can remember his press conference, he said he wanted to, there's been a decline in the way Arsenal attack and defend, which I'm going to try and arrest, and I'm going to make us more competitive against the top six. Now, last year, I checked this out last night, Wenger's last year, which was his worst of his tenure, 422 shots at us in Premier League games. Emery's first season, 493 shots at us, 71 more shots 
at us, which is nearly two more shots a game. So he hasn't sorted out the weakness that Wenger left us with. And I, I think that whether it's because these players, some of them are old Wenger players, I don't think you can use that argument much more because 17 players have now gone. But we, whether these players just don't understand defensive responsibilities, can't press or can't follow out, can't carry out his strategy, his tactics, we just can't seem to defend as a team off the ball, can we? I mean, I love watching us go forward, but whenever we lose the ball, I'm stressed in that stadium watching yeah. us defend. You know, it's, and I just, uh, I, I think, I think the first thing he has to do is get Torreira sitting as a DM and tell him to sit. The next thing he needs to do is have a structured midfield that when they're off, when we lose possession, they're back, sort of like plug in the central, uh, you know, so we're narrow, not letting them through the middle, uh, you know, because that's that's what's missing. I honestly think, Graham, when it comes away from him, he won't play the three up front. You think honestly, so? Uh, no, I think he'll, he'll, he'll forsake one. He won't play him at Watford? I don't think he will. I think that he'll, he'll leave one out. I, I, I think that he's very, very negative. And I think you're dead right what you're saying, uh, that, that he does not trust that, that defence. So I think that he's looking to... And I think even yesterday proved that point. Maybe... When he gets his defenders in that he wants, we might see a little bit different. But I'll tell you imagine, one thing. I'll tell you what. Imagine, imagine not trusting your defence when you've brought in David Lewis, Socrates. All right, Tierney hasn't played yet. Um, you bought Licksteiner last season. You bought a new goalkeeper. You bought Genduzi, oh, oh. and he he's brought all these players in. Yet he still doesn't trust them. He had seventy-two million pounds to go and spend on a single player, and he felt that it was more important to go out and get Pepe than it was to go and get a top-class centre-half, a world-class centre-half. Now, with £72 million, Arsenal could have got a top-class centre-half. But the fact is... I don't think there's anyone out there, Harry, to be honest. Who could we have got? For £72 million, I'm sure. We could have got Delit. We could have got Delit. Yeah, but, yeah, but you've got to remember, would we have, if we had gone to, say, Napoli and said, we want Koulibaly, is £70, 80 million, and they would have said, we want the £70, 80 million up front now. We, well, I like way, to we, think, we got, guys, we got that like over the line. I like but, to think I like to think that maybe that Arsenal were prepared to spend the money on a centre half, but they probably couldn't get him. So they thought, well, yeah. well, we can't get him this season, so we're we're spend the money somewhere else. And then I, I'd like to think that. That's, that's and then I next feel. season they're going to, and then in January they're going to tell us we can't bring a centre half now because we spent X amount. Well, on I'm, Harry, Harry, I'm telling you that now. Sorry, yeah. no excuses. They're, they're getting played. They've, they've got El Nenny off the wage bill. They've got Mkhitaryan off the wage bill. They sold a Wobi right on the last effort. If they don't buy anybody in January, you know what I mean? Like, you know, those got, um, at the end of it, I, the Cronkies have got a lot to answer for again because they've not invested. Simple as that, just, you know what I mean? So, just, just, uh, just coming back to the Granite Jagger situation, one thing we haven't discussed. You say Harry thinks that uh, he wants Granite Jagger in the team because he can ping the passes, but we could play David Luiz there. We could sort of like Agreed. play soccer. We could play Socrates. We could play Socrates and holding as the centre. I know not necessarily go to a back five, but play Louise as. Could a, have played Callum Chambers in there yesterday. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's got he's got, op- he's got, op- he's got options, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's got, got options. options. Yeah, he, like could, he could play Louise there. Louise can ping a ball left and right. Uh, can play I, through I the like lines. David Louise yesterday. I thought I'm going to say I thought yeah. he'd done a good job on Harry Kane. You know what I mean? Harry Kane only got a kick. You know he got a penalty, but other than that. He had a great shot with which at the post, but that's the quietest I've seen Harry Kane for a very, very long time. Harry Kane, Harry Kane didn't get the penalty, Lee. He he, he fell over again, but he didn't get the penalty. I no, mean, no, but, uh, yeah, but you know, he, like, he put away yeah, a penalty. He scored, he put, yeah, 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 so, yeah, he you scored know, the penalty. But but listen, do you see? You can go go on that. I want to I want to go on to something a little bit more positive now, like, yeah. because I think we've we've gone yeah. on to you know we've 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 hammered a little bit of of Emery and all that, like you know, and that yeah. is. 
uh, a player that um, today has got his first call up for the, the French national team, fully deserved, and that was Gwendozi. Now, I'm going to be honest, guys. When I picked my team for um, for uh, the, the North London derby, I, I left him out. I felt that he you know, was going to need a bit of a break, and I went with a little bit more experience in that midfield, but I was proved wrong. Emery proved right on this one because I think that he's bought this boy for £8 million, 20 years of age, uh, and I thought yesterday... When it really mattered, and it matters to us fans, let's get it right in the North London derby. This boy stepped up to the plate and I thought was absolutely magnificent. Not just going forward, not just for his pass. There was times he was winning the ball back in crucial areas, coming back, nicking the ball. I just thought he was absolutely outstanding on the day. He's taken a lot of criticism from uh, certain sections of the fans. Again, like Granite Shacker, there's, there's some that love him and some that don't. I thought he was sensational yesterday. Deservedly man of the match. Unbelievably, Pepe got it in the sun today. Can you believe that? I'm glad I don't buy that paper. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I thought uh, Granite, uh, Gwen Dozier was absolutely superb in there yesterday. Thoughts on Matteo? Harry, go on. I'll let you have this one, Harry. Go, go on, on, son. Come on, that's a bit of positivity. I, um, I, was, I was really, really impressed by his second half performance in particular. Um, I think this, the first half he did okay. I think he put a lot of work in, of course. Um, but as we've already spoken about, I felt like the system wasn't wasn't helpful to any of those three in there. But I thought in the second half, what Gendouzi done really well was that he, he kept plugging away in terms of his work rate. He kept on, um, you know, trying to make things happen. The passion, the heart, you can see, you know, he's, Gwendouzi's really, really streetwise for a young. Harry, you, your mic's gone off. Am I back now? That's it. Back, Sorry about back, that. Um, yeah, I, I like the way that he's really streetwise for his age. And like, you know, you know, when teams put down the ball to take a quick free kick, Gwendouzi's always the first one to go and stand on the ball. And I love that. I love the fact that he's always so aware and he's so into the game. And it's, sometimes when, when young players make mistakes, they go hiding in a game. And I think that's something that you can say about Maitland-Niles at times. I think that sometimes when he makes a mistake, he gets a bit rattled. And then for the next 15, 20 minutes, he's not at the same level. But it doesn't seem to phase Gendouzi. And that's what I love about him. I do think, as I've already said on the show, that at times he doesn't use the ball as well as he should. Um he picked out that incredible pass for Aubameyang uh, because if someone showed me that shot again where, you know, Gendouzi has the ball, I can't see that, that pass to Aubameyang. So for him to spot that and then to be on the same wavelength, I thought was sensational. He deserves his call up. I hope he does well. Um, really pleased to see him developing. And I've not always been his biggest fan at times. I felt he was overplayed. But yesterday he showed that, what he maybe lacks at times in terms of ability and maybe vision, he makes up for it with heart and stamina and effort. And Unai Emery is right uh, to want to make Gendouzi a part of his plans and to keep Gendouzi uh, in and around the squad. There's still maybe an argument that at times he's not the right player to pick, but I think you saw why uh, the, players, uh, and the players around him and the manager uh, really like this kid and are really excited about the prospect. So great performance, my man of the match without question. Graham, just like he reminded me, it's not just because of his hair yesterday, a little bit like got, uh, uh, Ray Parler, that sort of player. Yeah. Yes, you know, I mean, yeah. someone that you need in a team that's going to run through walls for you, work really hard, maybe not the, as gifted as 
some of the other players. So what you you, you need every little mixture in a side. And I, I was I was impressed with the, the, the work rate, as, as as Harry says. What's your actual thoughts on on, on him, and and how far do you think he can go? Well, it's amazing to think he is as young as he is. Um, and uh, he's, in a short matter of time, become almost like an important cog of the wheel, isn't he? I think the thing I liked about him yesterday was he was uh, he, he gets the passion of the North London derby, doesn't he? He gets the passion of it. Uh, and uh, he he took the ball at the Tottenham defence. Uh, he had uh, most touches, uh, I think, in that second half. He never gave Spurs any room to breathe. He was at them, uh, out of possession, uh, and he was all over the pitch. He did that role in the first half, so he was sort of like covering for Kalazanak uh, out wide. He was combining with uh, Abamyang and Kalazanak in wide areas of overloads. He's just his energy, his enthusiasm, what he brings to the team. Um, and he just, as you said, he, he, as Harry said and you've said, uh, he wants the ball all the time. Uh, he, he doesn't get worried by a mistake. And uh, I think we've got a real, really good player on our hands here. And, uh, you know, and Emery wanted him. And we questioned it when he came we didn't think he was going to play so many minutes so quickly but he's really this season he's you know he's developing into a very fine young player and I must say I was so impressed he was clearly the man of the match yesterday uh, and I think a player who's got maturity beyond his years yeah I also like you know when you when you when you look at it uh, with Emery and this is another you know we've, we've had a little criticism at Emery you know but he, he's obviously seen something in this boy from from being involved in France somewhere along the line to get yeah. him over here for for eight million, and and to to Emery's credit here, he's played him, and you yeah. know um, I didn't think that he'd probably play in the first couple of games, but but he has done, and you know all of a sudden he's starting to really make make his mark. Um, it, I think he, I league. think he's getting better. He's getting better as he gets more experience oh, 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 yeah, in the, pre- I, I the thought, Premier League. He's getting more experience. Very mature performance from him yesterday, yeah. like you know. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. I liked about him as well, if he does make a foul, he doesn't. He, 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 he from being the aggressor, he turns into the oh, I'll help you up, sorry sir, sort of thing. You know, <laughs> he seemed to have a very good little relationship with the referees. You yeah. know, so you, you feel like um, oh. Like the referee giving the benefit of that, if he does do a little bit of a uh, a foul or whatever, I just think he's got a fantastic attitude for his age, and uh, you know, um, great perm as well, great perm. Well, I don't <laughs> like people with too much hair. If I'll be honest, Harry, like you know, what I mean, this is one of the things I don't like about him. But other than that, I think that he was super great that he's in the French team as well because he probably won't play, so he'd be nicely rested for Watford. So that's a good thing to to have. Right, we've got an international break now. And um, we now come back and we've got a little bit of a difficult September, I think. I don't know how you guys think about this. We'll wrap it up in a second. Just going to go on to the next few games. Watford, away from home, never easy. Uh, and then we've got um, the Europa League, if, I, but if I'm right in saying that. Frankfurt away, if I'm quite correct on that. And then we've got Aston Villa. Lee, and before you go, before you go into that, do you, do you want to look at if there's any questions in the chat? I mean, I've got yeah, a, yeah, we, we cu- can do that. Go cu- on, I've got, away. A, I've got a, I've got a couple of questions here. I'll, I'll see if there's anything. The trouble is, I can't keep up with it. But I've got a guy. Right, you've got that coming shot. through. Why haven't I got that coming through, Harry? I don't right. know. So, got, so what we'll do? There's, there's not really many questions. There's loads of comments, but what we'll do is while Graham reads that one. Um, and we talk about those last, those next couple of fixtures, Lee. We'll give people a chance to put their questions in. Yeah, okay. And then so we'll, we'll, all right, and we'll, so, we'll finish off with that then. So, yeah, we've got yeah. Watford coming up, and then we've got Manchester United at the end of the month. I think it's a Monday night football game. 
some tough games in there. So what um um what's our thoughts on those? I think that Watford's going to be tricky in it. Bottom of the league, expected to win, but you know it's a physical game for I don't I, I I'm I'm not looking forward to that one, guys. If I'll be honest, I think it's going to be a tough game. Yeah, it's never an easy game, is it? It's not the the ideal fixture, but I, I'll take some confidence from the fact that, like you said, Watford have have struggled a little bit this season. It's it's they're a funny team, aren't they? It's like a manager goes in there, he does really well, and then things always go stale after. So, um, but you know, traditionally they they'll give us they do give us problems. Um, I thought they were pretty good at at the Emirates last season. So yeah. I think we've got a, a set of fixtures where we need to really capitalise on these fixtures. With Chelsea, Chelsea and Man United are in disarray at the moment. Though. Chelsea, yeah. admittedly, uh, not in disarray, Chelsea. A Lampard, to be fair to Lampard, he's, he's got a young team and he's rebuilding. So, But they've got Loftus-Cheek and Hudson-Odoi not fit. Uh, defensively, they're struggling. Uh, so, the, you know, they, they're letting in goals for fun. I mean, they're playing some good football as well, but they're not the Chelsea of the past. And Salter's got major problems at Man United. So I think this is a time, you know, like we talked about last season where Emery let it slip with his defensiveness at the end of last season where we, we were too we defensive against Palace. We need to take advantage. Like we should have taken advantage last year. So we've got the set of fixtures to do it and I think we need to do so. I'll just move on to the question, really. Yeah, far away on the questions. This, this, just two here and one to Harry, one to Lee. This is from a regular viewer of uh, same old Arsenal. He always watches us on catch up and uh, he's, he put two questions to me tonight. So his question, first of all, to the judge, uh, you will all agree that we missed creativity in midfield three yesterday. And of course, we have talked about that. Yeah. But do you see any genuine, substantial or superior creativity in a Liverpool midfield trio of Fabinho, Henderson and Wijnaldum? So he wants a comparison there. So if we're worried about lack of creativity, Liverpool, let's compare Arsenal to Liverpool at the moment. Uh, Liverpool play those front three. Uh, Lacazette is, uh, Firmino is their Lacazette or uh, vice versa. And then you've got like, Sal- he comes deep and you've got Salah and Mane spinning in behind in the wide areas. And uh, so our midfield, we, la- we moaned about the lack of creativity. But just look at that Liverpool midfield. Firmino sits deep. Henderson's just a worker, and, and why arm? I can't say his name. Lee, you you struggle with names like me. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Why arm him? Yeah. So so basically, it's a, they're, not that, what, they're not they're not that creative, are they? But it doesn't no, seem to do Liverpool I, I, any harm, does it? I've got to say that they're a very. It's a very very good point. A very very good point. But um, I would say that Liverpool are a little bit further down the line than us. And I look at that with like Nicolas Pepe. I think you know. Uh, is is a, a long way off being the the, the finish article yet. Yeah, I think that he gets into some good positions, but you know he's yeah. crossing and he's passing and he's shooting. He's letting him down at this moment in time, but that I hopefully will come. Um, so the- Liverpool play a different, completely different way to us, where they really just bomb on with their defenders now, uh, with their two fullbacks now. Even against Pepe and Aubameyang, they were happy to go two against two. Happy to go there, like because at the end of it, um, they've got those two fantastic. They've got one one fantastic defender in in in. Uh, we all know what he's like, you know what I mean. And and uh, whatever you say about him, uh, VVD is the top top class player. So they can leave one on ones, two two game ones, and he gets out of it. I watched him against Spurs last season, and he'd done it fantastically well. So they can just bomb on a little bit. They're free in the midfield, just hustle a hustle and bustle further and up the field and press, yeah. and they win the ball for those three to get on the ball in the final third. 
And the reason they can do that is because they've got top class defender in Van Dyke. That is as simple but as do that. You, they've also got they've also got that that midfield trio. They give the license to the fullbacks to go forward and you know commit forward whilst they yeah. will will drop back and protect. Whereas our lot don't have a bloody clue about you know filling in holes and stuff. Whereas the likes of Henderson. Wijnaldum, they would do that willingly. But, but in saying that, Harry, in, in Emery's defence, and this is where I think Emery's got to come, they play week in, week out, uh, game exactly. in, game out. They know exactly what they're doing. They've but doing but it Emery, long, it's long, not, but you can't, it's not Emery's defence because he chooses to change every week. So. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. And he's got to start, I, I think yeah. that we're, we're, we're a different sort of a side. I do think Just that we've a... got different players. I think, you know, but... if you look at Mane as well, He's more of a natural wide player than than a Bamiang, if I'll be honest. You know, they're, 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 you know, it's nice to compare, but at this moment we 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 can't really go so, down that road. So just quickly, then a one word answer: Do do you see their midfield trio as more superior creativity wise to the midfield trio we played yesterday? Yes or no? Yeah, about the same. About the same. Okay, and then the second question. Then this one's for Harry from the. This is from the art of, the art of our Sharvin again at Dark Side underscore mm-hmm. AFC. Harry, if we say that Pochettino bottled a 2-0 lead yesterday, which in my opinion he did, do you think that Emery would ever bottle a 2-0 lead against Spurs in any form? Um... <laughs> I'll, you I've one, seen, I'll give him the Emery question. <laughs> put it this way. Put it this way. I've seen Emery bottle a 4 0 lead in the Champions oh, League. So I won't put it past that. That's Right. Let's go on. Any more, any more questions, Harry? We've got lots coming through. Uh, this one's coming from Craig, actually. He says, Question for Lee Judges. What moment persuaded you to buy the bad polo and not the pucker polo like Craig's? <laughs> <laughs> I, I personally thought, I looked at your one and I thought I need to upgrade, you know what I mean? So that's what I've done, Craig. <laughs> no, I, bought it, well, I got this for my birthday, like, you know, so uh, Michelle bought this for me on my birthday. So I thought I'd wear it tonight. And um, because we've um, we bought a few players, and uh, I, I, I decided to... Um, to 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 wear it and accept the present. So there you go, like you know, and and uh, even Michelle said the blue one's better than Craig's uh, white one. So there you go. <laughs> right, another I'll... question. Let's let's go wow. through these because we got loads. Uh, if Emery does not get CL, would you take Mourinho, Graham? Oh, uh, Lee can do that one. <laughs> no, not, I'll tell you what. Like, um... you know what I mean, uh, if and I, I said this yesterday, if he goes to the Arsenal, I would have to seriously think about not 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 um. Supporting you know Arsenal, not, not games. Uh, so I, 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 I just I, don't want him at the club. I'm sorry. No, 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 no shape or form. He, he's a nicer bloke as a pundit, isn't he? That's the first thing I'd say. But not, I don't no, watch him. I, 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 could, I couldn't have him at Arsenal. No. Just couldn't no, have him at Arsenal. No. No, I'm sorry. And I'll tell you what, he's probably, you know, um, trying to be all nicey-nicey about it and all that. Like, I, I, I don't know what you think, Harry. You asked the question there. For me, it's a definite no. And I, I hope and pray that... Emery gets it right if it means him coming to the club. You know what I mean? So, Emery, sort that midfield out and, 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 and have it for me. Like, I just don't want him at the club. Sorry. No. Can't stand the man. I can't stand his values. I can't stand what he's done in football. And We can't we can't forget no. how he's treated Wenger. And, and he'd love to come Wenger, to Arsenal, by the way, Graham. Yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. He'd love to come to Arsenal because he's in London would, and everything yeah. like that. So, yeah. Yeah, oh, please, please, no, no, no. 
Well, yeah. what else we got here? What else we got here? Uh, Emery in and Xhaka and Harry out. Hussam <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, says, Arsenal keep looking at Liverpool to emulate what they did, but are Klopp and Emery even on the same stratosphere? I love Lee. He's always real, and I hope Arsenal make the top four. Um Emery and, and Klopp, are they on the same level? Not in my opinion. Well, I don't know what you two No, I, I, think, I think the one thing I'll say on that is that when Klopp went in at um, Liverpool, you, you, you saw immediately what his, um, start, his identity was. You know, the, that, that heavy metal pressing. What do you call it, Harry? That Gergen, is it Gergen press? Ge- Gergen pressing, I think. Gergen pressing. So, so basically you saw what, how, he, how he, his values as a coach and what he wanted still in his team. That was there from the start. And the same with Pep Guardiola. But I have to say, I don't think Emery, even now, we understand what the identity is. And we said earlier we don't think he knows his best 11. I don't think he's given the team an identity yet. And I, I have to say, I don't like the way he continually tinkering. I think that I looked at some stats uh, last night. I think he made something like in the last five games last season, he changed the formation in games 11 times in five matches at 2.3 changes per game. So he's, he doesn't understand. I think he needs to stamp his identity on the team. And that's the difference between him and Klopp. When Klopp went in, you knew what Klopp was all about. And he, he brought that to Liverpool. And that's the difference. Mm. I think. It's interesting because a lot of people talk about um, like fans of clubs that Emery's managed in the past. have always said that one of their issues with, it, with him was that he was too pragmatic and that he paid too much attention to his opponents and didn't really have his own philosophy and kept making changes. And maybe we're just struggling with it because we've gone from someone who wasn't bothered about what his opponent was doing to, to someone who's the complete opposite. So uh, it's a culture change for us as well. We're going to have to get used to, I guess. Uh, From my my point of view, I I don't want to compare ourselves with Liverpool. We're not Liverpool. You know what I mean? We got, we got, we got one. uh, Yeah. We got one from Carol Russell in there. Harry, I don't know if you can see it. This this Uh, is same old Arsenal. Do you think, do you think we'll go, uh, Karen's question, uh, I'll put this to the judge. Do you think we should uh, we will go for uh, upper uh, upper Cano uh, up a Meccano in January or maybe next summer? I'll get the name right there. Oh, I'm glad you said that. Upper Meccano <laughs> comes off the tongue, like you know what I mean. So uh, well, he's at Leipzig, love, isn't he? He's at Leipzig. I, I, I would love to see him come up there, but you know I think that's all going that's all going to depend on the Champions League. If they've qualified for the Champions League. Uh, knockout stages. He's not going to want to come to Arsenal in January. I might, they might be able yeah. to sign him in January um, to play next season. I think that would be a fantastic signing. We need to get in a top-class central defender, whether yeah. he's 20, 21, 22. I don't know. We've got Saliba to come in as well. I want to yeah. see two big, powerful central defenders. And I'll, I'll go back to the point, you know, you can blame Leno for the goal. It should never have got to Leno in the first place because we had a decent centre-half that wins our headers. We don't have that problem. And that's the problem we've got with our defending as well. We don't win enough percentage of errors from central defenders. And we've got to look to improve that. And if Apicana is the man to do that, then then fantastic. But I, I, I honestly think that Arsenal will go in for somebody in, um, in January, depending who it is and if they can get at him, you know. So um, I think the Napoli central defenders are um, another one that, could little rumours going about? Did you see his own goal at the weekend? My God! No, so like you know, <laughs> look, 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 all different. Do you know what I'm going to say? In this now, I think defending in a hole has has got worse. It's not it's not great, you know. So um, it's going to be tough to get a central defender in. But 
but we need one. We need one. Just Absolutely. a quick question. Lee, Lee Farrell, a uh, friend of the show, what formation would you play at Watford? <sighs> no. I'm not even going to try and guess. I'm not even going to try and guess. I'd say, look, you know, look, look, our strengths are our attack. We're very, very, very weak at the back. So let's, this, 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 get on the ball. Let's have more of the ball so that we haven't got to defend so much. And that's my motto then. So it would be, Sobias would be the one up there. So I'll go four, three, three. Daniel, Daniel Shaw. Love the podcast, lads. Thanks, Daniel. Where will we finish this season? Barry? Fourth. We're going to finish fourth because Frank Lampard is a disaster and so is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So we're going to finish fourth and Emery's going to get a contract extension and get a free ride. <laughs> uh, do you know what I'm going to say? I still think Spurs are going for a bad patch. I still think that they're vulnerable. But I, I agree with Harry. I think that... Um, I think Spurs yeah. have got those problems. They've got players yeah, in the last year. Got, their but if Emery sorts his team out um, and he's going to be as if he if he becomes a little bit more positive, I do believe we can still get third. But I feel that he's playing with a handbrake at the moment, and uh, I think we might just sneak fifth. Uh, sorry, fourth. <laughs> fifth. <laughs> I think I think we I think we will get top four. Exactly what Harry says because the other two, not because we're great. Is that the other two teams? Are, I, I honestly think, um, and I say I say it on the same old Arsenal. I think that um, before the end of the season, may possibly Mourinho will be manager of Man United, not Mourinho, Pochettino. Seriously, seriously, I think like, it would not surprise me by the end of the season, Pochettino will be the manager. Got, of Man got, got one here from F and Day. Lee judges. Do you think when Holding Tierney and Bellerin comes in, it would massively improve the team and pushes? Pushed us to becoming a Champions League club with Holding, Tierney, and Bellerin in our defence. I think we were improved, but I don't think it defensive. Uh, look, listen, we was making mistakes with Holding at the back last season. We was making mistakes with Bellerin at the back. I remember going up to Man United. I know that uh, Holding come off, but we were still making those same mistakes. Uh, we, we've been making them uh, all the time. I, I, I had my reservations about about them two coming back from serious injuries. I don't think that they should be rushed back in, in any shape or form. I, I want to see them playing every game in the Europa League before they're even considered playing in the Premier League. Yeah. If they come back and, you know, hold in plays as well as what he done last season, alongside someone like David Lewis with experience, I think it will improve. But it's not going to improve enough to uh, to make us ch- challenge for the title or Champions League football. One for Harry. Alex McCarthy, do you think Emery will prioritise a Europa League over top four? Um, Good question. I think, I think it depends on the situation. I think that the Europa League is a competition that you can, for the most part, coast through with your youngsters and your sort of second string. And then when you get to the business end of the season, you've got to then make that decision, haven't you, whether you've got more chance of qualifying for the Champions League via the league group or the Europa League group. Because at the end of the day, that is what his job is, is to get us back in the Champions League. That's his objective. So uh, it's hard to say. I think it all depends on how the season pans out. And then when you get to the sort of last, last, I won't even say the last 32 round, the last 16, last eight, then he's got a decision to start making. And it depends on the draws you get as well. You'll have to see further down the line. South London's finest. I think we talked about this a lot, so but he says, what are we missing in our midfield to make it more balanced and who? 
Would you bring in any signings in January? Well, I, I, I don't know who, but I, I would bring in a big, powerful someone like Decora at Watford. Someone like that would be my someone to power it up and and be a real strong defensive mind the midfield player. Someone that um, that, that will do that job. Whether that be Callum Chambers could, could probably do it. I don't know, but do it within. But we definitely need someone in there that's going to stay in that midfield, just stick in there and just do the dirty work, boys. Just do the dirty work. Well, I think oh. I think he's exhausted a lot of the questions. Yeah, now, I think. So. Well, that, that's it because we've now gone to one. Look at that, one hour fourteen minutes. That's unbelievable, like you know. So we will wrap it up now, guys. Just want to say thank you, Harry. Thank you, um, Graham. Uh, listen, pleasure. It's been a, a heated debate at times, but you know, it, it, you know, I don't think there's no one right, no one wrong. It's uh, all about opinions, and I think we all share uh, different opinions at times, but we all know how to conduct ourselves and I thought that was a great debate so well done guys um, hopefully next week we'll have Craig and Dan back I've just had a message from Dan as we're talking that he's uh, he's okay so that's good we've got an international well break we've got an international break so next we've week, got international we? break so I don't think that we're back yeah. next week we'll have a little break I'm, I'm off I'm off on my holidays for a week so where are you I'm going? Um, I'm just saying I'm going to Vegas for a week, like you know, <laughs> just to Vegas. So, like, you know, he's going with and his jacket, dropping over the pond. Are you going with? Yeah. I'll tell you what, Michelle treated me for for my birthday. So, um, you know, so is it a special uh, one? A special one? A special one? Well, just every birthday special, Graham. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, not, not my age, mate. Not my no, age. No, 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 no. 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 When I get over fifty, I won't, I won't, I won't celebrate. I'm not here, like, no. So, yep. So, I'm going off for a few days. So, um, I think we're going to have a break next week, and then we'll be back the following Mon- Monday. No, Monday. Yeah, because the game's yeah. on a Sunday, isn't it, for Watford? So yeah. we're back the following week, talking hopefully three points at Watford. So, until that, have a lovely yeah. week. Uh, a week. Enjoy. Um, the international break, and we'll see you very, very soon. Come on, you gunners. Up the awesome. Sports Social Podcast Network. A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now.